Welcome to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. My name is Richard Betts and I'm joined by Nicole Dines, Dan Innes and Paul Strome. Um, Nicole, what have you been following this week? Well, we've had a couple of very interesting briefings uh, at Real Asset Media and one was on resetting real estate. Claire Thomas of CMS uh, presented her eighth annual report and there are some clear conclusions. Obviously, they're winners and losers from the pandemic. 84% think logistics is on the up and only 3% believe in retail. But what she said, which was interesting, is should really differentiate between trends which have been accelerated by the pandemic, but they were already there, such as decline of retail um, and, uh, and trends which are were brought on by the pandemic, but will probably fizzle out once once that's over. For example, she pointed out that uh, student housing, um, hotels and leisure have been badly hit in the past few months, but uh, that's completely counter to what we've been happening for the last few years. So that's they're likely to bounce back as soon as the health crisis is over. And the jury's still out on offices, she said, because um, obviously uh, there are pros and cons, but uh, the feeling, she said, seems to be that in fact the pandemic has brought out how important human interaction is and cooperation and in-person dealings so that she, she thinks that offices will focus more on health in future, but uh, will definitely uh, come back. Another briefing that we had was, uh, again, with the, the theme of health and well-being very much at the centre, was on green cities. And there's a very interesting uh, experiment that's been going on for a while in Scotland with the Scottish Cities Alliance. Seven cities okay, cooperate with central government in Edinburgh to promote transition to a zero-carbon future. And they are, they are doing their own thing. Um, Aberdeen is leveraging, for example, its expertise that is developed in oil and gas to to promote hydrogen and, and clean energy. Perth is aiming to become one of the first smart cities in Europe and Dundee is focusing very much on electric vehicles and so on. So each one of them is focused on their own thing, but they're also cooperating and sharing expertise and sharing best practice. And what's emerged is that investors are very much coming on board. So it seems to be a very good example of cooperation between the private sector and the public sector, local authorities, and bringing communities on board because they're already beginning to see the benefits. And on the subject of, of greening, greening cities, uh, there was a very interesting deal in Milan, Coima, which has, you know, the company that's been responsible over the last few years for, for a lot of regeneration in Milan, has won a very competitive bidding process for Porta Romana, which was a disused railway yard in Milan. They've invested 180 million euros on it. It's huge, it's 200,000 square meters. And in 2026 will be the, the athletes' village for, for the Winter Olympics, which will be held in Milan. And after that, they will be turned into student housing and affordable housing and, uh, and so on. But the interesting thing, again, is very much an emphasis on, on, on the environment. 50% of the space will be a park. And so very much, again, that trend to, to regenerate cities with uh, focusing on, on, on the environment as well. Yeah, really interesting to see some of the initiatives that were being taken um, in that session. Paul, what have you been following? One thing that struck me this week is the increased interest in Spain across different asset classes. For instance, a, a, a triumvirate of AXA, CBRE, GI and Greystar bought a portfolio for student accommodation assets for a joint venture they've got on the go and are calling the platform. The assets are in Madrid, Valencia and Malaga and give them 1,100 beds. Um, and the portfolio was bought from uh, a joint venture of Abania and Invesco. The deal is one of the largest in the student accommodation in the sector in Spain to date. Esther Escapa, uh, Head of Transactions and Developments for Spain at AXA, said that the Spanish student accommodation market in particular is both highly fragmented and undersupplied. So 
there's there's the attraction. Then Prada announced that it's bought a 130 million euro bundle of Eroski hypermarkets in northern Spain, the Basque region. So Prada acquired the six assets for German pension fund NAEV. Eroski is one of Spain's largest supermarket chains, operates 1,600 stores. Interestingly, just at the start of the month, WP Carey also announced that it had paid 87 million for a portfolio of 27 Eroski supermarkets in northern Spain and the Balearic Islands. WP Carey, obviously well known as a, a sale and leaseback specialist. And also uh, logistics specialist Clarion Partners Europe has, has acquired a five property portfolio in Spain. So obviously it tells us there's positive views about pricing and prospects in Spain. On a different tack, it was interesting to see that IPUT, the Irish company, and Arab have published a report called Making Place and says it's now never to safeguard offices. They say we're at a watershed moment with only 11% of office workers reporting that they'll revert back to a five-day office week post-pandemic. And there's a need for developers and city planners to rethink the design and use of office neighbourhoods. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I picked up on the EY and ULI report around the future of office. And that also definitely picked up on some of those themes around how the industry was going to have to adjust. Dan, what have you been following? I wanted to kick off with uh, logistics and um, touching on uh, some of the activity that Paul was mentioning briefly there. Uh, in Spain. Clarion Partners, they've acquired a Spanish portfolio of logistic warehousing. There's five properties in total, over 130,000 square metres. They've acquired it from Prologis in a deal that's valued at around 90 million, published in IPE last week. And you remember a fortnight ago, Prologis completed the sale of a portfolio um, of buildings and land in, you know, back here in the UK. Uh, to Blackstone uh, for £473 million. Pounds. And so, I mean, you can see, you know, Prologis seems to be um, in sale mode um, a little bit right now. But this Spanish acquisition, um, they've acquired it on behalf of one of its commingled funds. It really doubles Clarion Partners Europe's kind of footprint from 165,000 square metres. Alistair Calvert, who's the chief exec um, at Clarion, he said the you know, the acquisitions brought in a number of you know pretty strong covenants to the portfolio um, and also provided a sort of a significant reversionary upside potential uh, on rollover in what is quite a buoyant occupier market as he described it. I've also been following some of these rumours around a second timeout market in London. Jess Newman at Property Week posted a story on Friday. She's saying that how the, the chief exec, Didier Suya, suggested that following the unsuccessful application in 2016 to open a market in Spitalfields, which was rejected out of hand by planners, that application um, could actually be revived and that London could actually withstand two timeout markets. Um, I mean, the first timeout market, you'll remember, opened in Lisbon, um, seems like yesterday, but it was 2014 that opened. Um, and that became one of the city's most popular attractions. And they've since expanded and opened up in, uh, in the US as well, Miami, Boston, New York, um, and up to Canada, Montreal. But the chief exec at Time Out, you know, he thinks that residents are now seeing that times have kind of moved on, and especially post-COVID, they're seeing, you know, the concept can have a bit of a positive impact 
on the local community. So let's see what Tower Hamlet Council Development, you know, what their development committee uh, thinks this time around. Um, and good luck, good luck to them. And then lastly for me, um, we are already well into November, Richard, and we're, we're already listening to Christmas jingles and Christmas uh, adverts. All of the retailers who are in our retail assets around the world, they're gearing up for one of the strangest trading environments in history, I would say, um, and a time when they traditionally make them you know, the, the, the most money uh, through the year. Uh, we know that they spend tens of millions of pounds, hundreds of millions of pounds uh, on, the, on marketing and advertising at this kind of time of the year. You know, originally it was television, now it's much more into digital as well. And one that caught uh, my eye was the Boots campaign, the pharmacy. They focused on these little daily acts of care and kindness, the charity, and that kind of keeps on a trend that famously people like John Lewis and Marks and Spencers uh, typically did. Other companies like TK Maxx, Coca-Cola, Disney, McDonald's, Argos, they've all launched last week. Um, and of course, Amazon, who are gonna be performing that kind of Father Christmas role for most households this year. Um, and they rather fittingly use Queen's The Show Must Go On as their soundtrack. There was an interview with uh, Jay Terrell, chief executive of uh, the West End Company, who was predicting that Oxford Street and Regent Street will soon move away from focusing exclusively on retail to become centres of hospitality, art, health and beauty, where people work and live. That's a really significant potential change there in terms of how some of these city centres and, and traditional retail destinations may well be changing. Um, thanks very much, Dan. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you next week for our regular review of the Week in Real Assets. Thank you. Thank you.